It is Tuesday, March 9th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff, and with me today is an unfamiliar guest. His name is Jared Smola, and if Jared looks even paler than usual this week to you, it's because he's been locked away in the DS Projections bunker for the past month. Our boss, Lenny, told Jared that he could not come out until the first pass of projections was done. That has happened. It's live. It's up there with the MVP board yesterday. You feel good now, Jared? I feel good. I mean, I don't go outside if it's, you know, under 40 degrees anyways. We are, we are getting some warmer days coming up here, though. I'm going to hit the golf course in the next couple of days, so I'll, I'll start working on that tan for you. Why would you ruin your time by spending it on the golf course? Man, you, you, you just don't get it, Matt. You don't get it. <laughs> You're right. I definitely don't. You did do your first run through, and we were just talking before the show. I, I'm sure it feels good to have it out there now, but we've got free agency coming up. We've got the NFL draft coming up. So it's going to change more than once over the next month, month and a half. You know, we have never done projections this early. I haven't. Um, it, it, you know, the process was different because you have to project the free agents. And first of all, you need to project whether you think they're going to return to their teams or not. We're all guessing about that. I mean, we can read what the beat writers think, you know, kind of make educated guesses. But that, that's a big part of it. Um, and if you look at the rankings, you, you can see if a guy is listed with a team still, we're expecting him to come back. If he's listed as unsigned, you know, that's that's a free agent. Um, like Will Fuller, for example, is unsigned in our rankings. So we're expecting him to change teams. And then we'll obviously, you know, a, as these moves start to happen, uh, we'll be updating all the projections and rankings in real time. And I just realized yesterday in posting my Trevor Lawrence uh, dynasty prospect doubting report that he's the only rookie that we have assigned to an NFL team. Everybody, all the other rookies are, uh, they're unsigned, but Trevor Lawrence we have in there is a Jaguar. Yeah, going to assume he goes to Jacksonville. All the Jags projections are assuming that, that Lawrence is their guy this season. Once we get into free agency, I'll get my projections together. So things that I argue with Jared about today might be things that I don't believe two weeks from now because I have not done any projecting yet. But it's good to get the base out there at the very least, see where guys fall, see what could change going forward. And we're going to go through position by position here. Obviously not giving away all the rankings. That's just for DS insiders. So you can head over there, become an insider. You can check them all out. You can use the MVP board for your best ball drafting. For now, Jared, let's start with the quarterbacks. We do have four guys over 400 total points in the projections. We have five guys projected for 25 plus points per game. Eight quarterbacks reached that level last season. So, you know, we're down a little bit from that, but it's still high versus previous quarterback scoring history we had six quarterbacks at 400 total fantasy points in 2020 but before that one of them in 2019 three in 2018 three back in 2016 five all the way back in 2011 but most other years there was one two or even zero quarterbacks at that level so you think that we're just going to see quarterback scoring continue to trend upward or is there a chance that we're all kind of overrating it right now based on what we just saw last year yeah, so I think as you mentioned there, you know, we do have it falling off a bit, you know, not as many guys hitting 400 points, not as many guys hitting 25 points per game. But I mean, as we talked about on some of those, you know, previous what we learned podcasts, a lot of those guys who, you know, top 400 points last year are younger guys who, you know, we can expect to, you know, still be getting better, maybe, or at least be, you know, leveling off. Most of them can run, which is obviously huge. I mean, I thought the interesting thing was on those previous podcasts, we talked about how, how they were those big nine quarterbacks. In our rankings and projections, Tom Brady joins that list. He sort of makes it a big 10. He's, you know, in that tier 
with like Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. And I'm I'm good with that, honestly. I mean, betting against Tom Brady has basically never worked since since he's entered the league. You can talk about his age and stuff, but returning to the same offense year two in that Arians offense, I think he's one of the better values in fantasy drafts right now. Yeah, I mean, he performed in that range last season and he had those peak games to be truly valuable in best ball. And more importantly, he's not going too high in drafting early this season. So you don't have to bet on him as a top seven quarterback to be able to get whatever you think the production is going to be. Dak Prescott, I think, stood out in landing high in the rankings, number three right now. I definitely think a healthy Dak Prescott belongs up there. He's tough to project right now, though, with that ankle before we really know anything about how it's going. Yeah, and I mean, I projected him as if he'll be ready to go week one. That that's kind of the assumption based on what I've read. And um, you know, the type of injury, everything on his rehab has been positive so far. The Cowboys just gave him what 140 or 123 million guaranteed. I think you know most guaranteed ever given to an NFL player. So they're obviously not concerned about the ankle. Um, you know, Dak was obviously on like a record-setting pace last year before the injury. He was sitting. Second among quarterbacks in fantasy points at that point. Russell Wilson actually edged him out, but you know, Dak was on a massive pace. All of his weapons are back. Mari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup. He gets our boy Blake Jarwin back, hopefully. Uh, hopefully the offensive line is healthier. You know, that was an issue in Dallas last season. So, I mean, that that offense, again, assuming full health, should, should be one of, if not the best passing games in the NFL. Yeah, I'm definitely fine with betting on Dak Prescott at this point. We can always adjust downward if we get to summer and yep. things aren't going well with the ankle. But, you know, we mentioned the high-scoring quarterbacks. The group of 400-point quarterbacks didn't even include him because he went down in week five. He was definitely on pace for that kind of season. He he wound up leading all quarterbacks in fantasy points per game. So we could have been seeing a truly special season last year. He could come down from that and still have an elite fantasy season this year. So I'm certainly fine with betting on him and what's going on in Dallas. I was also happy to see Matt Ryan land high versus ADP. He already stood out to me as a player that I liked versus where he was going in drafts. And I think he's probably, when I do my projections, going to come out right around where he did in your numbers. Yeah, he was a guy I had been drafting a bunch and sort of saw as a value even before doing projections. So I, I also was you know happy to see he came out. He's a quarterback 11 in our rankings. Um, and it's funny, you know, I, I don't know if you caught this. I projected him for 14 games. I wanted to bake in a tiny bit of risk that, again, Atlanta – does add a quarterback with that fourth overall pick. And, you know, in that case, I still think Ryan would open the season as the starter, but I also think that, you know, fourth overall pick would probably hit the field at some point in 2021. So that, that to me is the only risk with Matt Ryan. Otherwise I love him as a value right now. Um, He's been a top 14 quarterback, top 14 fantasy quarterback in five straight seasons, top seven in three of those five. He gets his top four target getters from last season back, Julio, Ridley, Russell Gage, and Hayden Hurst. And I love the Arthur Smith hiring there. I think he, in Tennessee, was one of the best play callers in the NFL. Love that, you know, they were a fast-paced offense. They were near the top of the league in play-action rate. So I think Smith could sort of take that passing game to even another level. So again, as long as Ryan's the guy in Atlanta, I think he's a good bet to beat his ADP right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be wise of them to spend that fourth pick on a quarterback, but I also don't think that it would make a whole lot of sense to bench Matt Ryan at any point before the very end of what would be a losing season at that point. So I think it would be a perfect situation for them to bring in their Patrick Mahomes, let him sit behind their Alex Smith for this year, and then maybe become their starting quarterback next year. I'm certainly not drafting Matt Ryan right now as though he's going to be displaced by the number four overall pick. So yeah, I I like him as a value and I'm glad that he landed at a value point in our rankings right now. 
Joe Burrow stood out to me kind of for the opposite reason. He's coming off the knee ligament tear, and he's going in this range where both in our rankings and in terms of ADP, where he's around guys like Matthew Stafford. And and for me Mm -hmm. right now, I'm taking Matthew Stafford. I'm taking even Ryan Tannehill uh, over Joe Burrow until we get closer and see what the knee is going to be like. Yeah, uh, no issue with Stafford over Burrow. Tannehill, I'm going to be probably out on this year again just because I I think Arthur Smith meant so much to that offense. I'm a little worried about – I can't even – remember who they hired as his replacement i was it was someone on on last year's staff so i think they're hoping to you know have some continuity and scheme there but I, i'm worried about what smith's departure is going to mean to, to that offense um i did i believe project burrow for 15 games i also lowered his rushing projection from you know his pace he was on last year I, I do think you know that's going to be limited early on because of the knee but that's that you know especially like second half of the season i think burrow could could be a big time fantasy asset with his talent and the you know playmakers he has there I think something else to keep in mind for him for best ball drafting in particular is he didn't have the spike weeks. I granted it was just about a half of a rookie season, but he, he wasn't a spike week player. He was just kind of generally solid as a rookie. So I'm apprehensive right now. I'm cool with holding off on burrow until we get to the summer and see how his knee is. I don't remember. Was it the left knee or the right knee for him? Do you remember? I'm not sure if it is the left knee. I mean, that can be an extra issue for a right-handed quarterback as the plant leg for throwing. Again, we'll see how all that factors in as we get back to practicing and watching through the summer, but a player I'm starting out apprehensive on. Yeah, it was his, his left knee. Um, I remember Robert Griffin and obviously he's kind of an extreme example, but he came back that next year and Obviously, the rushing was down, but also the the passing wasn't quite as crisp as it was the rookie season. So, so I think some reason for, again, apprehension there. I don't know if I would say concern if we're sitting here in March talking about it. But any other guys stand out for you as you went through the process or even just as you saw the finished product? Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't bring up Kirk Cousins. I know you were excited to see how high he landed in our rankings. And really, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Where is he in ADP? He's 16th in ADP. We have him, you know, a few spots higher than that. Cousins finished quarterback 11 last year. He was quarterback three over the final eight weeks of the season. I mean, Justin Jefferson got going before that, but you know, the, the offense really got humming over the second half of the year. Jefferson back, obviously Adam Thielen back. I think Irv Smith, you know, I, we'll probably talk about him in the tight end section. I think, you know, he's ready to take a leap. I think, you know, Kyle Rudolph, release could kind of be addition by subtraction if it means more targets for Irv Smith. So just like that passing game and think Kirk Cousins is a value in drafts right now. Further down the board, I think guys that you can't really project accurately at this point, because we have no idea how it's going to go, but Jameis Winston versus Taysom Hill, they're right next to each other in our, in our rankings right now. And early in draft season, I would have, I, I was saying I was taking Taysom Hill, but at this point, I think I'm taking Jameis Winston ahead of Hill because I figure that we're either probably getting the guy that the Saints want to start over Taysom Hill if they do bring Winston back. I think that's what they are indicating by doing that. And if we don't, then I think we're getting Jameis Winston starting for another team that he goes to that wants him in free agency more than what the New Orleans, more than what the Saints are willing to pay him. Yeah, those are two guys I would draft much higher than they're ranked right now. You know, we, we have them at 30 and 31 because we have both guys projected for eight games. If you actually sort on the rankings by points per game played, we have Taysom Hill at quarterback 10. Jameis Winston at quarterback 17, you know, that, that is closer to ride draft. I wouldn't draft him that high, obviously, because there's risk that both guys won't be starters at some point this season. But I think whoever's under center for the saints has a good shot to be a top 12 quarterback Hill because of the rushing stuff. Winston. I mean, he, he's just a good fantasy quarterback because how aggressive he is. I think, you know, he plus Sean Payton plus Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara would, would mean plenty of fantasy upside. And he's not an especially good runner, but he's a willing runner, yep. especially in short range stuff. So 
running back, the top six line up pretty well with how drafting has gone at the running back position so far. Round two is where it starts getting tough, and it's it's been tough for me in drafts. I don't like what is generally there in round two. It's where the, the landscape just gets ugly for me. I guess before we get to any players that I want to pick out, Jared, do you have any guys up top that, that stand out to you as prominent players to talk about here? Yeah, I mean, our – RBs seven, eight, nine are Austin Eckler, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers. So Eckler at RB seven, that's that's PPR scoring. Uh, I'm buying the Chargers offense in general. You know, Justin Herbert, obviously, I, I like the Joe Lombardi hire at OC, kind of a, you know a Sean Payton guy. And Eckler, you know, from week twelve on last year after he returned from that hamstring injury, was PPR running back five. That was despite scoring just two touchdowns. You know, his pass catching upside, I think, in this offense um, with Joe Lombardi, who obviously was just with Alvin Kamara for the past few years. I think Lombardi is going to view Eckler like Kamara and use him similarly, you know, 10 to 12 carries per game. But, you know, he, he could have six to eight targets per game this season. I think, you know, he's he's a candidate to lead running backs in receiving fantasy points. Yeah, I'm okay with Eckler up there because we have seen the production from him and he should still be in a good situation. I, I'm not giving him an upgrade or a downgrade for Joe Lombardi yet. We already saw him. We saw him as an OC one time so far for two years in Detroit and got nothing special there. So, you know, let's hope that the time working with Sean Payton, both before and after, has helped him to improve. Plus, better talent to work with this time than what he had in Detroit the first time around. So we'll see where that goes, but I'm fine with Eckler there. I'm also fine with Cam Akers there. DeAndre Swift is the guy that just makes me uncomfortable. He, he's not for me at any point in round two. And I certainly think he could be that guy, but for me, I didn't think that he was ahead of the class at running back last year, heading into the draft. And now he's on an even worse team than he was when he first landed with the Lions, at least from what it looks like right now heading into yeah. 2021. Yeah, just the, the Lions in general are definitely a concern for Swift. The negative game script thing is less of a concern for a guy like him, you know, who I think is going to do a lot. So the reason he's so high in PPR is we haven't projected right now for 62 catches. That's actually fourth most among running backs. Um, you know, he had he had 46 catches last year as a rookie dealing with some injuries. He was sixth in yards per route run among 37 running backs with 30 plus targets. So you know, I think he's going to play a big role in the passing game, especially with, you know, we'll see what happens with Kenny Galladay. You know, we know Marvin Jones is unlikely to return. So there's, you know, lots of room for him to, to see a whole ton of targets there. The offense in general is the concern, but I think volume alone at this point is, you know, pushing him up the rankings. We'll see what else Detroit adds right now. You know, it's just carry on Johnson uh, behind DeAndre Swift mm-hmm. in that backfield. Yeah. I, I'm assuming that they had something else there, whether it's just that the new coaching staff likes carry on Johnson more than I guess last year's yep. seemed to with the usage, or if they bring in somebody else to go with them. I, I don't know. I, I, I worry about them overworking DeAndre Swift if they don't alter things, but no, we'll see where all that goes. I think ultimately when I do project, I think Swift is probably going to be one of those guys that I also just land higher than I'm comfortable with. And I tell myself that I'm just going to pass on him at where I have to draft him. Yep. That's fair. The guys right behind him that I am more comfy with in the same range, Cam Akers, I mentioned just, I think the ability is very similar between him and Swift, and I like his team situation much better than Swift's. I I certainly agree that there's the reception upside for Swift, and we don't really know how many balls Akers could catch this year, but I'd rather just kind of generally bet on him, especially at best ball time in that Rams offense than Swift in Detroit. So Cam Akers, Zeke Elliott, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, those are the guys – 
that I can't see myself drafting Swift ahead of right now. Yeah, I um, mean, we can talk about all those individuals. I mean, I, I'm with you on Cam Akers. You know, I think what's holding back his projection is just the, the pass catching stuff. Even when he took over as the workhorse ball carrier, you know, down the stretch last season, he wasn't doing a ton in the passing game. I think he can, and I think mm-hmm. Sean McVay will be willing to give him that. I mean, just you know, look back to what McVay gave Todd Gurley for those few years. I think you know that's the ultimate upside with Cam Akers. So, I um, mean, yeah, if I'm drafting right now, I'm even probably taking Cam Akers over DeAndre Swift. So we, sh- we should probably just sw- switch those guys in the rankings. Zeke Elliott is such a tough evaluation for me heading into this season. Again, I love the Cowboys offense. I think, it, you know, Zeke could score 16 plus touchdowns easily in, in that offense. Um, again, the O-line should be healthier. It's just, you know, are, are we starting to sort of see the beginning of the end for Zeke Elliott. It's crazy to say because he's like 25, 26 years old, but he, he does have, you know, a ton of NFL carries on his resume, you know, had a bunch of carries at Ohio State. So, you know, that, that's my only concern. And you have, you know, Tony Pollard kind of waiting there if Zeke does slip up at all, that, you know, Pollard could start to steal more from Zeke than we've seen in past seasons. Yeah, I mean, maybe we are seeing him start to fall off. Maybe, though, he just suffered for the offense being in rough shape with Dak Prescott out last season. I think the thing that keeps me from worrying too much about Elliott is that we don't have a specific injury. Like, you know, Todd Gurley fell off in a hurry, but he had the knee injury that we were hearing about even before, you know, he really started to show it on the field. Uh, I don't think there's anything specific like that with Zeke. So I'm going to go ahead and and bet that he'll be okay at least as long as, you know, the offensive line isn't awful and Dak Prescott is back to full health this year. And if he's going in round two, especially if I already took a running back in round one, you know, that, that cuts into some of that risk with Zeke. Yeah, that's definitely fair. I mean, he has been remarkably durable. I, I want to say this game he missed last season, was that, I think that was his first game he missed with an injury as a pro. I think so. Yeah, the other times there were, like there was a game he sat out when they had already clinched the bye, and there were the six games where he was suspended. Right. Yep, exactly. I think the range where, where I can see Swift is Swift, Antonio Gibson, Miles Sanders. For me, I've been leaning Miles Sanders, but you know, if I, if I step back and I'm honest about it, mm-hmm. there's not really a whole lot to – Point two with Miles Sanders ahead of DeAndre Swift. I think they're kind of similar guys, and Miles Sanders probably has more around him in terms of challenges for targets right now. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, Gibson to me is very similar to Swift in that mm-hmm. I love the talent. There's really right right now a, a clear path to big volume for Antonio Gibson. The question obviously is the Washington offense, which you know could be worse than Detroit's. You know, we'll see what they. I mean, it's an offense that if they find an answer at quarterback could get pretty good in a hurry. I mean, they have some weapons in Gibson, McLaurin, Logan Thomas. So we'll see where that goes. I mean, I, I just like what we saw really on the ground from Gibson mm-hmm. last season. The receiving stuff was kind of muted, I think, largely because of J.D. McKissick. But I mean, you know, Gibson was a running back wide receiver hybrid at Memphis. So I, I think he can do a lot more in the passing game. And that, that's, you know, sort of how I've projected him. You know, we have him for uh, – 49 catches this season, which would be a pretty big bump from last year. Yeah, I think that these guys are in a range where I would spread around my exposure a little bit rather than plant a flag with one particular player. Makes sense. David Montgomery, why don't you sell me on David Montgomery at the end of round two? I mean, he was awesome last season, at least over the second half. Like when after Tree Cohen went down, I mean, Montgomery got better when he sort of, you know, stepped into a workhorse role and I guess I'm more willing to buy into that because I liked him as a prospect and, you know, as, as horrible as he was as a rookie, I think, you know, we can at least start to say, you know, that, that was just sort of a one year write off. And then you know, he's going to be closer to the guy we thought he was going to be coming into the league. The, the question obviously is Trey Cohen's going to be back. So, you know, how is that passing game work split? I mean, I have Montgomery, 
doing more in the passing game than he did as a rookie or, you know, over the first few weeks when Cohen was healthy last season. I have him doing less, obviously, than he did after Cohen went down. So, you know, sort of, sort of, you know, splitting the difference there. I'm not taking him where he goes in the rankings, but I can't say that it's a bad spot when I look around him in those rankings right now. Cause I, you know, I can't say for sure that the guys just behind him are better. I think the one guy with him that's kind of, similar in how we're projecting right now is James Robinson. And, you know, we have one year to go with on him. If the new coaching staff in Jacksonville brings in something significant because there was nothing else around him in the backfield last year, then he could see a lot less work in his second season. On the other hand, if the new coaching staff comes in and is like, this James Robinson kid's really good. We need to get somebody to help, but we're going to work him pretty hard again, especially he's on a cheap contract. Who cares what happens to him beyond these three or four years? Let's feed him the ball while he's working. I mean, if he's going in round three right now and even slips into round four at times in best ball drafts, if he gets similar work to what he got last year, James Robinson could be a value again. Definitely. And I, I totally hedged with these projections. If the Jags go out and add Aaron Jones or you know one of the top three rookie running backs, then Robinson's going to fall pretty hard down the rankings. Right. If they don't, you know he, he's going to climb – three or four spots because, you know, he, he's probably missing 30 to 40 carries and, you know, 10, 20 targets off what he should have. So th- this projection is definitely a hedge. It, th- this projection is sort of where I would draft him right now. And I agree. If he gets into the, into the fourth round, he's definitely worth a shot because, you know, he, he could mm-hmm. easily be a mid-second rounder by August. Yeah, and I've kind of been staying away from him at where he's going in general in drafts. I did get my first share of him in a best ball 10 yesterday where I started with Dalvin Cook and then George Kittle late in round two. And then I took Robinson at something like 303, I think. And I think it's easier to take a shot on Robinson if I've started with two guys that I think are going to be studs. But, you know, I, I agree with kind of hedging on James Robinson at this point. You know, it depends a bit on how much volume you're drafting with right now because, his, like you said, depending on what Jacksonville does, his value is either going to drop quite a bit or he could climb around round and a half in ADP if they don't add anything significant over the next month and a half. Exactly. I mean, he has two bulls to dodge you know, over the next couple of weeks here in free agency. If they don't add anyone, I'm sure he'll climb around in ADP. And then if we get through the draft and they don't add anyone, you know, within the first couple of rounds, he'll, he'll probably climb another round. Any other guys that stand out to you for discussion before we get to like later um, best ball <laughs> targets? J.K. Dobbins came in low, which I'm not surprised by. I think we're going to be low on him throughout the summer. I don't know if, if you're on board with that. Um, oh, yeah. he, he's RB20 for us. I, I don't like being low on the guy, but it's you know it's a, vol- it's, it's a volume. I, I think Greg Roman prefers a running back by committee. Um, you know, we'll see. I, I'm assuming they bring Gus Edwards back. He's a restricted free agent. I think they'll, you know, do enough to bring him back. And I think, you know, it's going to remain like a, you know, 60-40, maybe a 70-30 split in favor of, you know, Dobbins on the ground. But the biggest thing is, you know, the Ravens just don't throw to their running backs. And I think it's partly Roman's offense and it's partly Lamar Jackson. But, you know, their, their running backs have seen about 12% target share over both of the past two seasons. The league average is around 20%. There's just, you know, not enough targets for Dobbins, especially in PPR, to show up as high as in the rankings as, as he's being drafted right now. Yeah, I have not liked J.K. Dobbins ever since I saw him going at the 2-3 turn for just those reasons. The receptions are not there. I mean, I I don't like DeAndre Swift where he's going. I would comfortably take DeAndre Swift ahead of J.K. Dobbins because I think he probably at least doubles Dobbins in receptions this year, assuming health for both guys. And I don't think that Dobbins has, you know, 270 plus carries coming his way this season or 10 to 12 rushing touchdowns to make up for that 
reception downside. So for me, it, it's very easily out on Dobbins at where he's been going ADP so far. Yeah, he, he actually came out even lower in my initial projections. I had to sort of, you know, give him a bit more, just get him a little higher, you know, kind of, again, where I draft him right now. Later values on the board. You mentioned Tariq Cohen earlier. He's been a target for me early. He's RB52 in best ball tens right now. He's RB44 in FFPC. Obviously, you know, take him where he goes later. And he's been hanging around the board really in any formats that I've tried out so far. Not a player that I'm excited about, but that's the kind of player that you go for in those drafts because nobody's excited about Tariq Cohen. But assuming that he's still the number two running back in Chicago, he's going to catch a decent number of passes. He's kind of a safety net pick for you in the late rounds as like that fifth running back. Yeah, RB41 in our PPR rankings. And, you know, that, that that's kind of conservative projections-wise because he is coming off the injury. He, he's not a guy I'm a big fan of. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to be conservative with his projections. But, you know, we have him for 57 catches in, in, in PPR. That's huge, especially in basketball. I mean, he, he's a guy who, you know, in lineup setting leagues is always, you know, not, not comfortable to start. But in basketball, um, assuming full PPR, you know, he, he, he's going to give you at least a handful of, of starter weeks. Especially after they trade for Russell Wilson this offseason. Oh, baby. A couple other guys. Damian Williams I like at RB51 and ADP so far. And then later rookies. I, I'm not so much in on Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, although they sit in our projections pretty close to where they're going draft-wise. So I'm okay with the, where they're going. I just ha- It hasn't been my target yet. But if we look at Kenneth Gainwell as kind of the starting yeah. point, RB37, and then Chuba Hubbard, and especially Ramondre Stevenson, just because he's so low in ADP right now. But those are the guys that I've been looking at as, as later values among rookies. Yeah, I don't want to speak too much on the rookie running backs because you know, that's that's kind of my next project here over the next month is really dig into that class. Um, I think Gainwell and Michael Carter, um, you know, they they Gainwell looks like the best pass catching back in this class just from the you know, little work I've done so far. So I think he is a value. And then yeah, any of those guys you mentioned, like Hubbard or Stevenson, um, just how late they're going, and you know, maybe one of them sneaks into like round three in the NFL draft, and you know, has a decent shot to carve out a big role this season. Yeah, if the Jaguars don't add a big name, but then take Kenneth Gainwell in round three of the NFL draft, that's when you start screaming about your James <laughs> Robinson shares. Agreed. Anybody else worth mentioning running back before we move on? Two later guys, not as late as the ones you just mentioned, but that, that I like are, are the Niners running backs, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Um, Mostert's going in the eighth round. Wilson's going in the 10th round. I think that's a case where you can take both guys because that, that running game is going to be good. You know, Kyle Shanahan running games are just good. Raheem Mostert, every chance he's gotten with the Niners, he's been super efficient. You know, he's, he's had issues, whether it's not getting enough volume or injuries. And then Jeff Wilson was awesome down the stretch last season. So I, I, I'm not expecting them to add anything significant to that backfield. I think Shanahan's comfortable, you know, riding with those two guys. And I'm not sure how the workload's going to be split. You know, I, I have it close to 50 50 with you know Mostert leading um and carries and Wilson actually leading by a bit in targets but again I think especially I think the idea of taking both of them you know again eighth and tenth round ADP is not that expensive um I think you know one could crush or you know both guys could give you you know a, a decent number of starter weeks apiece yeah and my initial apprehension has been kind of being uncertain at, at how they're going to settle out with with roles in that backfield but he mm-hmm. Mostert signed through the coming season Jeff Wilson I believe is signed through the coming season too yep. so I mean, I don't see any reason why the team would cut either of them. And like you said, why would they make a big addition if they have both of those guys in place? Yeah, I mean, Kyle Shanahan and his his dad have a you know long history of you know turning these no name backs into you know big producers. Yeah, they, I, I can just picture them sitting there smirking when people look at their running back depth chart and say that they they need to add somebody there. They're like, yep. watch what I can do with this guy. 
wide receiver, the top three are fairly even in our rankings. Then there's a tier break down to number four, then another tier break to the rest of the group, really. And, and that kind of matches how I've been drafting the position early in best ball drafts so far. The gaps then get much smaller thereafter. So, you know, it's just tiny steps down, which again, makes sense for the ranges of guys rather than planting flags with them. Any standouts for you among that, that top two rounds or so of players? Keenan Allen sort of jumps out to me as coming in, you know, a few spots higher than his ADP. But, you know, when you're talking you know, about guys this high in the rankings, a few spots is noteworthy. Um, and again, all in on the Chargers offense. You know, Keenan was awesome last year with Justin Herbert. Hunter Henry probably gone. You know, that frees up even more targets for Keenan Allen, especially, you know, Allen, a guy who you know, runs sort of those shorter intermediate routes where, you know, whatever Hunter Henry leaves behind, Keenan could pick up a bunch of those. So like Keenan Allen, I think he's super safe. Robert Woods going to be a value again you know he came in pretty similar in our rankings this year to where he was last year and you know he, he came through last year he was wide receiver 13 in ppr points after being wide receiver 14 the previous season despite that he's a wide receiver 20 and adp right now and that's you know with a quarterback upgrade in matt stafford so i'll be i'll be in on robert woods again yeah pretty significant upgrade that's like the first stack that i kind of look at as i'm going through a draft and thinking about who to draft like late in round four, especially around the four or five turn, if Robert Woods gets there, if I get Robert Woods, I'm looking to see where Matthew Stafford and the rest of the quarterbacks are going. Some guys that stood out to me just beyond that range, Amari Cooper settling in decently ahead of CeeDee Lamb, as they probably will for me. I mean, that's kind of how I expected them to land. Both of them, yeah. you know, certainly in, in range where they're going to be relevant for fantasy teams. But I like Amari Cooper with some space between him and CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, man, I want both guys on my team. But, you know, Cooper... Outproduced CD Lamb for the you know few games we saw Dak Prescott last season. I think CD Lamb is an awesome prospect. I think Cooper is an awesome player too, though. I mean, I I wouldn't be shocked if CD Lamb ends up out scoring Cooper right. this season, but I think that the better bet, at least for now, is is on Cooper. Yeah, I agree with that too. And I talk about him being decently ahead, but I think we talked about it. I, I forget which of the what we got wrong series shows we talked about it on, but. Amari Cooper is like eight spots ahead of CeeDee Lamb in the PPR rankings. They're yeah. separated by about a point per game, fantasy right. point-wise. So we're not talking about a huge difference between the players. And I agree, it would not be shocking if CeeDee Lamb turns into the top-scoring uh, fantasy wideout for the Cowboys this season. Terry McLaurin was, of course, our breakout player for 2020. Now projected well below where he's going in drafts. He's wide receiver 13 in best ball 10 so far. He's wide receiver 16 on the FFPC. He's outside the top 20 for us at the moment. Yeah, I guess just quarterback uncertainty is sort of why he came out. I mean, he, he came out with fine numbers. I think it's, you know, more the depth at wide receiver. And again, these guys are separated by so few points. I mean, if I give McLaurin another touchdown, he jumps up, you know, six, seven spots in the ranking. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what they do at quarterback. I, guess I was, I was, I was probably too, optimistic on Dwayne Haskins last season Alex Smith sort of stabilized the quarterback situation a bit for you know those few weeks but I'm curious to see what Washington does at quarterback Um, you know definitely willing to move McLaurin up a handful of spots if they you know make a, a big upgrade at the position I also wouldn't be surprised if DJ Moore climbs some once we get yeah. some clarity on the Carolina QB situation currently we have him ranked behind his wide receiver 18 ADP I think both his ADP and our current ranking are reasonable. He's not a player I would pass on, but he's also not a target player for me right now. Yeah, he was a guy I was surprised that came out as low as he did. And, you know, I don't like it, but I mean, really, he and Robbie Anderson were similar in terms of fantasy scoring, in terms of volume last season. I mean, maybe a new quarterback changes that and turns more back into the clear lead guy. But I mean, you know, just looking at ADPs, I, you know, Robbie Anderson is, is the better value among Panthers wideouts. 
Did you project them as though Curtis Samuel is gone? I, I was just going to say, no, I have Samuel staying in Carolina, which oh, okay. might be wrong. But again, you know, well, th- that stuff's all going to sort itself out over the next couple of weeks here. LaVisca Chanel just ahead of DJ Chark in the PPR rankings. Yep. What, tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't see why not. And, you know, drafters definitely prefer Chark. He's eight spots ahead of Chanel in FFPC ADP. But, you know, Chanel last year as a rookie, he matched DJ Chark in yards per target, beat DJ Chark in yards per route run and PFF receiving grade. Again, Chenault, a rookie, Chark in his third season. Chenault also has the rushing upside. I mean, he could post a Robert Woods-type rushing season if you know Jacksonville gives him that opportunity. So definitely at cost, I, I prefer Chenault. Yeah, and Chenault's somebody that I've taken a, a few times this season. I, I've been a little surprised that he hasn't gone a little bit earlier because there are definitely some LaVisca Chenault fans out there. <laughs> They're both second-round picks, so I mean – I yep. think that most people would look at that and be like, what? I had a DJ Shark, but he was awesome in 2019. I mean, LaVisca Chenault hasn't had that second season yet that DJ Shark had that year. So we'll see. It's one of those that jumped out to me, but, you know, then I take a second. I'm like, yeah, I could see it. Right. I mean, Shark did absolutely nothing as a rookie. Then he you know, had that breakout out of nowhere in year two. So, you know, Chenault is already ahead of him, you know, uh, based on what he did last year as a rookie. I noticed that Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry both came out pretty low in the wide receiver rankings, Austin Hooper as well in the tight end rankings. What's your run pass split for the Browns when you projected them to, to this point? Yeah, I was surprised where all those guys came out as well. I have the Browns going 52% pass this season, which is, you know, about half percentage point more pass heavy than they were last year. You look at Kevin Stefanski with the Vikings back in 2019, they went 51% pass. You know, he is a run favoring play caller and they still have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I think the best backfield tandem in the NFL. So, yeah, I, I, I like the Browns offense. I like the passing game. You know, maybe we should bring up the efficiency for these guys a bit, but um, I, I don't think, you know, Baker, Landry, Beckham, Hooper, I don't think these guys are going to have big volume on their side this season. Yeah, I agree with that. I'll be, it's something I'll be looking at more deeply, of course, in the next couple of weeks when I do my Browns projections. I'll be curious to see what the difference for them was between wins and losses. Maybe they're not quite as good from a win-loss standpoint this coming season. Yeah. But, I mean, it's also worth noting that they lost uh, Nick Chubb for a chunk of games in the middle of last season as well. Right. That You know, they won 11 games last year. So, you, know, you could see them, you know, dropping to nine wins. I, I still think it's going to be a good football team. They're going to be, you know, playing with plenty of leads. Uh, I think the other thing that hurts the Browns is I have them for, you know, a fairly low number of plays. I have them for 10, uh, 1,025 plays similar to what they ran last year. You know, that, that's in the bottom half of the league. They were 27th in pace. They were 21st in situation neutral pace. So they were a slower paced offense. You know, you add that to the fact that they run heavy, you know, that generally leads to fewer offensive plays. Yeah, the good thing about Beckham and Landry being that low, if you do want them, is it's not far from where they're going ADP-wise. So you can say, I'll take Odell Beckham a few spots ahead of where we rank him because I don't have to take him super early to take a shot. And just in case something happens, you know, let's say that they're 8-8 eight and eight, or they're like, hey, we've got Beckham back now. Um, Baker's got an extra year in the system. Let's throw the ball a bit more and get more explosive. Yeah. You can take shots on those things happening. Yeah, Beckham especially is a guy who I think, you know, his ceiling is much higher than we have him ranked. That's a good point, too. We don't have our um, floor and ceiling projections in yet, so you won't find those on the MVP board. But we'll probably add those after the NFL draft once we, you know, sort of finalize these, you know, early spring rankings. And when we update Odell Beckham to whatever team he gets traded to. (laughs) Any other standouts before we get to some later values at wideout? 
Last guy on my list, I don't know if he's on your later value list, Jamison Crowder, your boy. We have him 12 spots higher than ADP. Um, and even our ranking here is you know lower than he finished in 2019, lower than he finished in points per game last year. Adam Gay's finally gone from New York. I think that, that could you know sort of boost everyone's numbers. Yeah, my hesitation with him so far has been I have no idea what how things are going to settle out. I mean, he's been mentioned as a potential cap casualty. He's got a small dead cap number, so they could cut him. Sam Darnold, we don't know whether he's going to be the Jets quarterback or somebody else's quarterback uh, for the coming season. So I, I'm certainly on board with taking Jamison Crowder where he's been so far, but he's just been kind of in this range, this nebulous range where I'm not plucking him too far ahead of those other guys that he's around in ADP right now. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, you know, obviously projected him to, to stay with the Jets. I mm-hmm. think they'll hang on to him. And I, I guess whatever happens at quarterback, I think it, it's unlikely to be a downgrade from you know what, what Sam Darnold has been over the past couple seasons. And of course, this time of year, we're not saying this is my fantasy team for the season. We're you know taking different pieces. We're betting on ranges of outcomes. And we, what we have definitely seen from Crowder so far is that his range of outcomes goes way high. He could be a top 16 wideout for the season in the right spot in the coming year. And he he gives you more spike weeks than you think from you know a guy of his ilk. He's a good best ball target. You know, one final thing is when we're looking at spike week players, it's important to not just think of players like Will Fuller yeah. who can make big plays at any point. We also got to think of guys like Jamison Crowder or Keenan Allen who can get 15 targets in a given week and catch 10 of them for a huge game. Exactly. Later values that stood out to me, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton caught my eye because each sits well ahead of ADP. And that's even with Daniel Jones projected at QB 21, even with Evan Ingram also ahead of ADP at tight end eight. And that's what I expected once the numbers started falling out, because I've seen both of those guys going outside the top 60 at wide receiver, Daniel Jones going at the bottom of QB two territory and thought, I mean, there's nothing but upside from where these guys are going. I'm going to take some late shots. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's volume for both of them, especially Sterling Shepard. I mean, you know, he's had his injury issues over the past couple of seasons, but, you know, he's been their clear target leader when healthy. Um, you know, Golden Tate gone now, which you know, obviously didn't make a huge impact in the rankings because I didn't have him projected for, I, you know, I, I had the Giants projections done before he was released. So, you know, kind of updated them post-release. Again, didn't make a huge difference because didn't have him projected for a ton. And I do think they're going to add someone else. You know, right now it would be Dante Pettis. <laughs> as their number three wide receiver. So they're a candidate to add, um, I think, one of the big rookie wide receivers in the first round. That would obviously cut into Shepard and Slayton's projections. But especially, like you said, where they're going in ADP right now, Shepard especially, I think, is a nice value. Um, Yeah, Shepard is similar to Crowder in that you don't think of him as the spike week player. You think of Slayton as a spike week player. But if Sterling Shepard's getting 12 targets, then there's obvious spike week potential. Yep. I mean, you mentioned rookies, and I know that we're going to be diving further into this in the coming weeks as we get more prospect profiles out there. But I looked at ADP numbers just now. And we talked about drafting rookies with Darren Armani of Fantasy Mojo a couple weeks ago on here. We talked about it with Todd Burroughs last week. It's a good time to be drafting rookies in general. And rookie wideouts look like particularly good targets at this point. And especially if you look on best ball tens, Jalen Waddell is wide receiver 58. In best ball tens right now, he's wide receiver 44 on FFPC. Rashad Bateman is wide receiver 49 on FFPC, wide receiver 65 in best ball tens. So get in some best ball tens, go get some rookie wideouts before they land with teams, before they get realistic projections and before they start getting drafted earlier. Yeah, again, don't want to, you know, act like I, I'm, you know, an expert on these rookies at without diving into the class. But I mean, we, we know Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle are, you know, going to be 
top 15 picks almost certainly. So that fact alone means they're, they're going to step into big roles right away. I think, you know, based on what I've seen and in, in the work I've done so far, I think Rashad Bateman and Ronda Moore have a chance to sneak into the first round. I've seen Kadarius Tony mentioned as a potential first round pick, which just looking at his profile seems crazy to me. But again, if a team mm-hmm. spends a first round around him, you know, he's going to play a big role out of the gate. So I guess, you know, th- those six rookie wide receivers are, are the ones I'm interested in right now. Yeah, and the point is, at this point, you just take shots on all of them late. They're all going late enough that you're not risking that much. Don't go crazy. Don't end up with a team that has, like, five rookie wideouts on it. But, you know, if you go into one of these 20-round drafts and take three rookies across running back and wide receiver, it's a good time to be doing so. Definitely. I'm going to be looking at the ADPs more between these two sites, Best Ball 10s and FFPC, because those are kind of the two – prominent 12 team best ball drafting formats right now just to see what other differences like that there might be but for now let's move on to tight end and dallas goddard at number five was the first guy that stood out to me that's probably the range where he'll land for me and it's not that different from where he's going in ffpc drafts right now he's tight end six but he's tight end six a little more than a full round behind tj hawkinson so according to adp there's a tier break between TJ Hawkinson and Dallas Goddard. And I don't believe that in real life. I'm more along the lines of where you have those guys. And Goddard's projection is even with Zach Ertz still in Philly. And, and I did, you know, kind of reduce Ertz's target share from what it has been obviously and bump Goddard's up. But if Ertz is dealt and, you know, it, it sounds like there's a decent chance that happens, um, you know, Goddard will probably jump our rankings even more. So I love Hawkinson as a player, but again, you know, kind of concerns about that Lions offense. So it's, it's Goddard at five for me. Yeah. I mean, for me, Goddard has looked like the first value option at tight end in that if things break right for him, I think he could be a top three tight end by the end of the season. For sure. There are big steps down early in the tight end rankings, just like at wide receiver, the gaps shrink behind Dallas Goddard from him down to the rest of the guys. Any other standouts for you in that range? Do we dare talk Mike Kosicki at, at tight end seven? Yeah, <laughs> but I don't have. I'm going to disappoint you because yeah. I don't have a whole lot to say about him at this point. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just in on him. I thought he was a boom bust prospect. The ceiling was always there because of the athleticism. You know, he had decent production at Penn State. He was a pretty high pick by Miami. He, he's he's improved all three seasons in the NFL now. His raw production has improved. His efficiency stuff has improved. His yards per route run has gone up every season. He was tenth and yards per route run among uh, 37 qualifying tight ends last season. So he was good. I think he's going to remain a big part of that passing game. You know, hopefully Tua takes a step forward in his second season. But yeah, uh, Gasicki tight end seven in our rankings, and I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah, I mean, that's right around where he's going ADP-wise. I don't have any strong argument against him. I'm just looking up. I couldn't remember what they were doing at OC, but they've got two yeah. offensive coordinators this coming season in Miami. Yeah, I, Miami was a, a super tough team to project right now. Again, yeah, not, not not knowing what they're going to do in the backfield, expect them to add a rookie wide receiver potentially with that you know early first-round pick, and then no idea how to project you know that run-pass split with co-OCs. I think one of the guys, I think Godsey, has like one or two seasons of OC experience, but I want to say it was under Bill O'Brien. So, you know, tough to know what that offense is going to look like right now. Mm -hmm. Robert Tanyan, sorry, Tanyan is somebody that stood out to me as well. Outside the top 12 in our rankings, certainly lower than where he's going in ADP. And that's how I've been approaching it. I I don't want to draft him inside the top 12 because I believe his target share last season more than I believe his high touchdown rate. Yeah. Touchdown rate was unsustainable. Even like the you know yards per target was you know one of the top marks among tight ends last season, and really over the past you know few years one of the top marks. So you have to project some 
regression, even though I, I do think he's a good player and playing with Aaron Rodgers obviously helps, but um, you know, he, he's just, you look at, you know, we haven't projected for 74 targets. That's 19th among tight ends. And even where we have him projected is, you know, a few spots higher than, than his volume would suggest. So you know, we'll see. Um, I also think Green Bay could, you know, maybe finally add another wide receiver to help Aaron Rodgers. That would take some targets away from Robert Tunyon. So yeah, he, he's a fade for me right now at ADP. And I mean, I'm certainly not going to project Jay Sternberger to outperform Robert Tunyon this season, but maybe at least Jay Sternberger takes some step forward in year three. That's at least a possibility. That'd be nice. <laughs> For me at tight end, there really weren't any surprises the rest of the way. What other guys stand out to you that are worth talking about? Yeah, I think we've we've talked about Hayden Hurst on previous podcasts, but I, I do like him in his second season with Matt Ryan under Arthur Smith, who, you know, former tight ends coach. Uh, I know John U. Smith was like super frustrating in Tennessee the past couple of seasons, but you look at the Titans tight ends as a whole, you know, you add in Anthony Ferkser and Nicole Pruitt and, you know, the, the tight end production was good. So if Hurst is getting the majority of that, I, I like him. Eric Ebron, I think, stands out as a as a value for me. Tight end 19 in ADP. We have him, you know, four or five spots high. He was eighth among all tight ends in targets last season. I did project Pittsburgh's passing volume to come down a bit. You know, I don't think they're going to be as pass heavy this coming season, but, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster is likely gone. So, you know, that's going to leave behind uh, quite a few targets. Ebron could pick up some of those. There are a bunch of like late flyers I like at tight end. Blake Jarwin, I know you're on board with that. Chris Herndon, we've talked about him. Adam Troutman, who, you know, looks like the guy in New Orleans. And Anthony Ferkser, um, you know, if John W. Smith's gone in Tennessee. I think Ferkser is a good player who, you know, with ample opportunity could, you know, have a surprising fantasy season. Yeah, Ferkser's a guy that I've basically been ignoring to this point, and I probably shouldn't be. I should be paying him a little more attention. Tight end 30-plus in ADP right now, so you're not investing to take a shot. There's a chance that he's Tennessee's top guy. He is a restricted free agent, so, I mean, usually we see those guys come back unless the team yeah. just doesn't care about him. There, there is a chance that he doesn't come back to Tennessee He's not a special athlete, so I'm not going to go out of my way to get him, but should probably be taking at least some of him in that range. Yeah, that, that's my thought. Yeah, I expect him back in Tennessee. Tennessee could definitely go out and add someone else to, you know, to, to be the lead guy, but you know, at cost, um, I think he, he's a good gamble to take right now. Yeah, I mean, it's a flooded tight end market potentially this offseason, yeah. especially when you add in what looks like a, a pretty strong rookie class at the position. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how things settle out in various situations. Yep. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. If you're an active DS insider, you can look over our full set of initial 2021 rankings, including team defense. There's no IDPs yet, though. Sorry if you're looking for those. We know you're as crazy about this stuff as we are, so you can also access the MVP board to help guide you through any early best ball drafting. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShoutDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast to stay up to date on all the guests and info we have coming your way this offseason. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shouse saying thanks so much for swimming with us.